Happy New Year to all of you. 2020. Yeah, that's incredible, isn't it? 2020. Uh, just 20 years ago, we were all worried about the internet crashing and nobody going to be able to get money out of the bank. Remember that? <laughs> the Y2K thing and all that stuff. And uh, So that means in 20 years, you've had a lot of time to uh, make resolutions, huh? How many of you made a New Year's resolution? Come on, be honest. Hands up. Any of you make New Year's resolutions? You, even in your mind, you made it. You didn't write it down or anything, but you made a resolution. You know, like, I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to go exercise. And I'm joining the gym. Oh, I got a gym membership for Christmas and it's going to be a complete waste of money because I'm never going to use it. <laughs> right? So I'm, I was talking to one guy uh, earlier in the early service. I've known the guy for 40-something years and uh, he was talking. He's a, he's a gym rat, I call him, because the guy's always in the gym working out. And he said... Uh, they were talking about it right before Christmas. He was in the gym and he's telling the people, hey, hey, get ready because they're, they're not going to be able to find a machine here for the first couple of weeks of, of uh, January. But don't worry, about the third week, the machines will be back. We'll, we'll be wide open because everybody will stay home. And that's kind of what happens with resolutions, right? How many of you made a New Year's resolution that uh, 2020 was going to be a better year than 2019? Come on, everybody made that resolution, didn't you? Come on, everybody does that. I want this year to be better than last year. And for some of you, that'll be easy. For some of you, that'll be difficult. As, uh, as I was approaching this sermon, um, you know, we, we did our, an entire Christmas uh, month where we did Christmas sermons and, um, you know, the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. And uh, we did that. And uh, last week, Matthew had a, what we call a wild card week. You, you're, a, you're part of a preaching team, and you just get to choose. We didn't really say... Uh, you know, we're going to speak out of a specific book or a specific subject matter. So it was like, you choose a sermon, and then uh, uh, I'll preach the following first Sunday there in January, and it'll be kind of that wild card thing. And um, I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the most difficult things in the world. It seems like that should be easy, right? You just get to pick whatever you want to preach on. Do you know how big this book is? It's crazy, right? And so it sometimes can be very difficult to actually just kind of, you know, I've already preached all my favorite passages. Hello? You guys awake? Okay. So I've already preached all my favorite passages. Now I've got to pick something I haven't preached already. And I, I was thinking about this. I go, how did Phil do this for 48 years? <laughs> well, I know, you, I know you preached Romans like nine times. So obviously he repeated some stuff. But when you think about it, I was just like, man, what am I going to do? And, and uh, I was working on it and I'm praying about it. And I just nothing was coming. Was, I, I was thinking of doing something on prayer or maybe on giving or you know, one, of those, one of those ones that you all love to hear about, you know. And, uh, and it just wasn't coming. And I was starting to get concerned. And I, I went to bed Wednesday night and uh, I woke up Thursday morning. And, you know, and I mean, before you're even awake, you know how when you're, your mind's awake but your eyes aren't even open yet? A lot of you walk around like that, but, um, <laughs> and the way you drive, it's obvious you do that, but, but, you know, you're not even quite all the way awake yet, and bam, this, this sermon just came to me. Now, that wasn't coincidental, was it? God really laid it on my heart to do this, and so, um, I'm probably setting too big a stage. I'll do the best I can with the sermon, but, he just laid it on me with the New Year's resolutions. And, you know, one of the reasons I don't do resolutions is because if I haven't resolved a way to do what I'm re the resolution is, why would I make the resolution? Right? So that's probably why a lot of you didn't raise your hand is because you resolved to do nothing. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but it came to my mind here, and this, I'm I, literally, 
um, just trying to clear my head and wake up, and it's like, why don't you talk about God's New Year's resolution for you? What's God's New Year's resolution for you? Not what your resolution is. What is God resolving that you do this year? And so, amazingly enough, I titled my sermon, God's New Year Resolution for You. And so, Second uh, Chronicles 7, verses 11 through 16. And so, I was thinking about a New Year's resolutions, like, we're five days in, right? How many of you made resolution that you're not doing already? <laughs> it's kind of funny, huh? I, I think there's, I think I thought, oh, I might do some things a little bit different this year. Like, I, I should probably get on that elliptic machine and do some running this year, and yeah. The elliptic machine's in the garage, and it's cold out there, you know? So who wants to go out there and do that? But God has a resolution for you that you need to do this year, and I promise you something. I will make this promise, and you can hold it, hold me to this promise. That if you do his resolution, your 2020 will be better. That's a promise. Now, the reason I can be so confident in that is because it's a promise he makes. So you don't even have to weigh it against what I say, but just see what he does. See what he does for you. Let's read the passage, and then I'll start to go through and point out some stuff that the Lord has showed me. And um, this didn't all happen Thursday morning while I was waking up, just the main emphasis uh, of what I was going to do. Um, this takes place, this passage, uh, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, they've finished the temple for the Lord, and uh, Solomon has done that. Remember, David wanted to build the temple, and uh, God wouldn't let David do it, so David raised the money and did the architectural drawings, basically, for the temple. And um, so Solomon was the one that built the temple under his reign. And the offering that was given to do this temple, I don't think we've ever seen an offering like it since, uh, never before or after. And uh, so they'd completed the temple. And in chapter 6, Solomon prays a prayer of dedication on the temple. And when we get to 7 here, God's going to answer the prayer now. He's going to speak to him. So here's what he says. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. So he's saying, I will be in the temple. It's acceptable to me. I'll show up. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. You talk about a spoiler alert here. This verse, when I, when I read through this, because you know we all jump to 14, which is what we're gonna, our main emphasis is going to be. We all jump to verse 14. But 13, I went, wait a minute. We just dedicated this incredible temple to you with a dedication prayer and there must have been an incredible celebration of the completion of the temple of the Lord there must have been and and I was reminded I remember when Valley Bible Church started down at Holy Ghost Hall 
and the, the journey to get even across the way in the Family Life Center. And then when this building got completed, and I remember what we did, we dedicated it to the Lord. We celebrated what God had done. See, if you've only been here for the last 18 years, you've only known this. And you're better off for it. Well, maybe. But if you remember the Rio Theater and you stayed with us, that was a minor miracle that you're still here if you were at the Rio Theater. But I was thinking, what a, what a celebration we had and what an incredible thing. My, my aunts and my uncles and the ones that were here when I was just a little boy and they were adults and, and they couldn't hardly come on the campus without weeping. Thanking God for just a building that he allows us to meet in every week. So they're celebrating the temple of the Lord. There's probably more gold in that one building than there's ever been in any other building that's ever been built. And then right in the middle of that, God answers his prayer and says, okay, the temple is acceptable. I'll receive sacrifices there. I'll dwell in the temple. I'll be there. Okay? And then we come to 13 and he says, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send plagues, what? Why, why would that? We're celebrating, aren't we? No, 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 no. Because he knows the hearts of the people. You know, they're, they're, uh, the Israelites didn't have a real good record of following after God and being consistent in it. And I think God knows that. So he says this, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the Philistines, the Canaanites, the unbelievers, the Muslims, the Jehovah's, no, 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 among my people. Hmm. Who's the my people? We are. We are the my people. Because you've placed faith in Jesus Christ today. That makes you part of the my people. And I did this in first service and I'll do it right now. If you're here today and you know that you're not a part of the my people, his church, a, a, an adopted son, if you know that you're not, if you're saying, well, he's not talking to me because I don't belong to this church and I'm here just because somebody drugged me here and I just want to get him off my back. Or I come here to make myself feel good. If you come to church every week to make yourself feel good, I pity you. I want you to feel not good. I want you to be a part. And, and, but if you, if you haven't met Jesus Christ, let me just give you a brief description of how you can meet him. First of all, if you haven't met him, you desperately need him. Because he says that all have sinned. All have done things against God. And, and they all fall short of the glory of God. So if you're here this morning and you've sinned, which you have because you're from Adam, and Adam cast, put sin into the, into the human race. So if you're here and you're in that condition, I have good news for you. Jesus Christ, the indescribable gift, has come and he came and took on flesh and he lived and he died on a cross on your behalf and he lived a perfect life fulfilling the law and he died on a cross on your behalf and on my behalf for all the sins of the world he died on that cross. And then he was taken down from the cross and he was put in a tomb and 
a large stone was rolled over it. And three days later, he rolled the stone away. And out of the grave he came, and he ascended on high where he sits at the right hand of the Father. And if you just will put faith in that this morning, not anything you can do, you could boast if you could do it. And he said, no man will boast, for God gets the glory only. But if you just want to put a real simple faith, just, God, I believe that. I believe your son died for me. I believe that he rose again. I believe he was who he said he was. And because I have a great need of a Savior, I want him. I accept the free gift. You can be part of my people by simply doing that. And you, you know what? You ain't got to come up here to do that. You can do that right where you're sitting. You can do it right where, you can do it on your way home today. You can say, I want Jesus in my life. And I accept the free gift of what he did on a cross for me. But this passage, if you're here and you're not one of his people, we're really not talking to you today. I just talked to you about the most important thing you'll ever hear in your life. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm talking to the people that already know him that are the my people. Because that's who he's talking to. So we carry on. If, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. That's in that temple is what he was talking about. Now, some of that translates across to what his present condition is in your life if you're a believer. He's with you at all times. So we, we have that. I'm not going to relate the two, but we have him in us at all times. And he's always got an open ear to your prayers. He does. But the resolution part, you say, well, what's that got to do with the resolution? Well, I, I love that he, he says, now, in, in the NIV, he says in verse 13, when I, sh when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, not amongst the worldly people, not amongst the unbelievers, but amongst my people. When, when I do that. Now, he says when. That kind of implies that it's going to happen. Right? He didn't say if there. Now, it says if in some translations. But in, in the NIV, which I like, he just says when it happens. There's a condition of when these things happen amongst his people. The condition is the little word that's huge. It's a huge word in the English language. It's two letters long. It's an I and an F. If. If. So when the locusts come, when the plague takes place, when the drought hits, I got a resolution for you. I got a solution to the problem. If is the big condition, though. It's the big condition. The whole passage is basically on the word if. If my people, if my church, if those who believe in Jesus Christ, when something's not going quite right for them. You know, the most dangerous time in your life, I think, 
where you got to be very careful not to get far away from God really quickly is when things are going really good. When things are going, when you got the raise at work, you didn't deserve it, but you got it. And maybe you neglected to thank God for it. Don't know. Don't want to convict any of you. But when those things take place is when you get further away from God sometimes. It's happened with me. When everything's going hunky-dory, that's an oaky term, hunky-dory. When everything's going really well, you have a tendency to pray less. You have a tendency to not depend on God as much because, you know why? Because I got it. I got it. God, I don't need your help because I make 100000 a year or 300000 or whatever you make. Or I, I don't really need anything today, God, so I'm not even going to talk to you because I got it. I got it. My health is good. Look at me. Oh, man. I'm below 200 pounds. Yeah, that's me. Everything's really good. That's dangerous. But what's he say? If my people who are called by my name. He's really identifying us, isn't he? Aren't you called by his name? Isn't he your father? Come on, wake up. Isn't he your father? Amen, emphatically, yes. He is my father. I belong to him. He belongs to me. Wow. Do you understand those words? Oh my goodness, they're easy to say. I belong to the king of kings. I am a son of the father. I am a brother to Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness what those words mean. And he's identifying it so that there's no mistake here. You're called by Jehovah Jireh's name. The great I am is my father. If they will be arrogant because everything's going so well. If they can just act like, well, I got it under control, Lord. I got everything I need. Everything's good. Don't need to talk to you today because everything's cool. No, 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 no. If they will humble themselves, the first condition is to humble yourself. And I really think the first condition is you got to be one of his people. And you got to be called by his name. Don't tell me you're saved and you don't believe in Jesus Christ. You're not called by his name. You better have Christ in there. And you better be in the right spot. That's what happens to some of these other religious groups. They don't have Christ in the right place. So you're not saved in those groups because you don't have Christ being God. You don't have him part of the Trinity. You have those, those are some real issues with some of the religious groups. But when you're his people called by his name, and you, if you will humble yourself. Well, now we don't even like that term, do we? Humble? I ain't got to be humble. I'm as good as you. I'm better than you, matter of fact. That doesn't sound like humility, does it? There's a guy, he's in the building right now. He was in my home quite a bit when his junior high days and all the way up through high school and 
all the way till he got married and finally somebody took him away from us. Thank goodness my food bill went way down once he got married. He had this statement about humility. He says, you know, Larry, I am good at being humble and a lot of other things too. <laughs> yeah, kind of a fun one, huh? So I, I, I've used it several times. I love the statement. It's, it's a great one. And, and Ross Pony, thank you very much for that. Um, and so, but that's what we do sometimes with humility. We don't like it. We think being humble is a weakness. You know, people that are humble are probably the strongest people there are. They have a strength that's different. And, um, you know, that's the, the one thing that once uh, humility, like the minute you feel you've grasped being humble, you've lost it. Right? Because as soon as you think, well, hey, I'm pretty humble. Well, no, you're not. <laughs> you just blew that, you know? So, but that's the number one priority here. If they'll humble themselves. Well, and then the next one was tied together with a conjunction and and. There's several ands here. So they'll humble themselves and pray. You know why you don't pray? Because you think you got it all in control. You, you think that you don't need to pray or that, you know, that's why I said it's so dangerous when everything's going really well for you because you have your prayer life wanes when everything's going really well. But I'm going to tell you, I'd like for you to humble yourself before the mighty God before you and, and pray before you need to pray. Huh? You know what I'm saying? I, I said this, I want to pray so much that, God's, that my voice is so familiar to God that when I get in trouble, he'll recognize my voice. Now that's theologically way incorrect, so don't get me on that one. But you understand my whole point. The whole point is I want to pray enough so that when things come along that I can't deal with in my own human strength, God will recognize my voice when I cry. And he does anyway, but it's just a thing I made up for myself and it, it works for me. But you know, if, if you're waiting for uh, things to go bad, they are. They are going to go bad. Things are going to happen in your life that aren't real positive. They, and they may happen in 2020. You may, uh, Tim Ballstrom just buried his dad yesterday. Uh, that's a real great way to kick 2020 off, ain't it? Now, that was joyous because his dad was a believer in Jesus Christ, and we do not grieve as those without hope. We grieve as those with hope. And so, but we get to grieve, don't we, Tim? Yes, we do. So, you know, but to humble yourself before the mighty God, because arrogance keeps us from prayer. I'm doing so good on my own, I don't need to pray. Careful. Be very careful. Now, you may not verbalize that like I just did orally, but the way you are living your life is verbalizing it all it needs to be. Because you're not making it a priority to humble yourself and pray. And when you don't make that a priority, then you're not doing the right thing. Okay? So you, you need to do that. So to humble oneself, get rid of the arrogance in your life. You need God.
Okay, five of you need him. You need God. And guess what? The drought's coming. The locusts are coming. They are. And there's going to be things this year in your life that if you will do these things, you'll be prepared for them. All right. I, I like the idea of humbling myself before the Lord because of uh, James 4.10 is one of my favorite passages. And, um, and, and let me tell you something. I'm just being, this is just being very honest with you, which is what I try and do when I'm in the pulpit, be honest. Um, humility, to be humble, to not be an arrogant person, I, I have to battle against it. And, and, and I'm all by myself. None of you struggle with that, I'm sure. Because we're naturally built to think we can handle it. We can do it. Most of us, anyway. And so I, I, have to str I struggle with it. It's like, no, I, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You have to get to this point. With God's help, I can do that. See, that's humility. That's being humble. And not false humility. Truly being humble. Lord, I can do that if you want me to. If it's in your will, I can do that. But come with humbleness. So, but James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Come on! First Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You know what? I'd rather be humble before the Lord and have him lift me up than any of you. I could get all cocky and arrogant and you get him really impressed with me. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. I do not do what I do for the favor of men. I do what I do for the favor of God. For it to be in the favor of men, I would not be a follower of Jesus Christ. I do what I do for him. I come humbly before him. And then what does the humility do? Hum if you're praying, you have to show some humility. You know what you're saying? I acknowledge God that I'm powerless without your help. That's humbleness. It's not a weak position to acknowledge that you need help. And guess what? I get to go to the righteous God, the one, and say, I need your help. You promised me help. I need some help here, Lord. I'm coming in humbleness because I cannot do this. I thought of a sign, I thought of a scene, I should say, in a movie where a man had to go very, very humbly to somebody who was an unjust judge. It comes from that famous Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey has to go to that ornery banker guy and beg him for money. Remember that? 
What humility he had to show. He had an absolute contempt for the man that he was having to go and ask for help from. And that man had a contempt for him. And he still had to go because it was humility. He was, humi he was humiliated not being humble. But when I go to my father in a humble state, I never feel humiliated. A matter of fact, it's the absolute instrument that gets me to him in prayer. Lord, I need your help today. I got loved ones that I want to see go to heaven. I'm powerless to do anything about it. I need your help. There's people in the building today, Lord, that I cannot save. But I, you can do it. Humbly I come and I pray and I say, would you save somebody today? Will you change somebody's eternal destination? Prayer is just simply going to God and saying, I need your help. I want to talk to you. I want to communicate with you. I want relationship with you. And I find the closer I get to him, the more I want to bring you with me. Humble yourselves. If you will humble yourselves, if you will pray, What's the next one? If you'll seek my face. Remember, this is God talking. If you'll seek my face, what does that mean? You can't, no one's seen him before. Right? No man has looked upon God the Father. If you'll seek my face, that simply means if you would just come after my will, reflect me. Reflect what I want for you if you'll seek after me. What's he say in Scripture? There's a passage there in, uh, oh, let me look, in Matthew. He says, seek the kingdom of God first. Above all else, above all else, seek the kingdom of God first. What are you putting in front of God that you're not seeking him? Oh, now it gets quiet. Is there anything in your life that you're putting before him? And if there is, why? Above all else, and live righteously. And then look, if you'll put him first and you'll, you'll live righteously, what happens? And he will give you everything you need. You notice it didn't say he'll give you everything you want. He'll give you everything you need if you seek him first. You know what I found out? The more I seek him, the less I want things that I shouldn't have. Because the more I find out about what his will is in my life, the more I want those things. I, I, I'm going to humble myself if I would humble myself, if you will humble yourself this year, if you will pray, if you will seek his face. And then the last one, I'm going to step on your toes. But that's because he stepped on them. And turn. Turn from your wicked ways. And, and you know what? We, we, we take that term wicked ways and we go, oh, he must be talking about somebody else. 
because I'm not wicked. <laughs> oh, have you looked in the mirror lately? If you're not humbling yourself and you're not keeping a prayer relationship and you're not seeking his face, you might have some wicked ways in you. I'm going to come over here and talk to this side. I usually on that side. My wife tells me I go way over there too much. <laughs> Since we're talking about wicked ways, I'll come see you guys on the left. <laughs> if you'll turn from your wicked ways, all of these conditions, all in the word if, if you'll humble yourself, if you'll pray, if you'll seek my face, if you'll turn from your wicked ways. What takes place if you do that? The result, another thing happens. Oh my goodness. Then I, the God of the universe says, then I will hear you from heaven. I'm the only one excited about it. I will hear you from heaven. Now Matthew had, Matt, Matt Nicosi had no idea I was talking about this this morning. Well, he does now because he was in first service with me, but he had no idea I was talking about this. And he said, I was just reading in Psalm 4 about when we cry out, God hears us, and he hears us. Oh, when we cry out, he hears. That's interesting. You know, he said he feeds a raven when he cries. Isn't that interesting? He feeds an old bird that makes a con sound, not even a pretty sound. And they're an ugly bird if you think about it. They're just kind of, ugh. But he feeds them when they cry. They've got to figure it out, don't they? Ah! Ah! And they get food. <laughs> How's that work? <laughs> but if you turn from your wicked ways, get out of that wicked pattern, and then he says, I'll hear you. And then what does he do? What's the next line? The result of it. The next result is, and I will forgive their sins. My people who are doing wicked things, who are, aren't being humble, they're not praying, they're not seeking after me. But if they will do those things, when bad times come, and listen, they weren't even doing it. They're not doing it at all when the bad times come. They've rejected God completely. Because the times do come. There's a whole Babylonian exile period that's about to happen. But if, when those times come, so if you haven't been doing this and something comes along, right here, right here, let me give you a resolution. Start doing this. Start humbling yourself before the Lord. Start praying and talking to Him. He's your daddy. Can, can you imagine the relationships that you have in life if you didn't talk to anybody? Come on. I told Lynn I loved her when I asked her to marry me, and that's the last time. Can you imagine what our relationship would be like now? <laughs> 42 years in February. I know, I got married very young. <laughs> I did, I was very young. What kind of relationship do you have when you don't communicate with each other? When you don't communicate with God, what kind of relationship are you telling him that you want with him? And what keeps you from praying? What keeps you from seeking his face? What sin is it that you're hiding that's stopping you from doing this?
why isn't he listening to you? Because you've got to get things right with him. You've, you've deadened the relationship with sin and you refuse to communicate with him. Oh, but if something bad happens, I guarantee you, you'll get a prayer life then. Amen? And here's the wonderful thing. Even then, he'll hear you. Because guess what? When the bad things come, you're going to humble yourself and pray. You are. You will. I'm telling you, get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. Start humbling yourself today. Americans are, are very guilty of not being very humble. Because, you know, we got rights. And we, we'll, we can do it. We can pull things off all by ourselves. So I guess a couple questions. Are you seeking God's kingdom first in your life? And, and are you really seeking God's kingdom first in your life? Are, are you making that a number one priority? Or is God way down the list? Like when something happens, you call everybody else and you go to your, you, you get your iPad out real quick and look up on Google, what can you do about this problem? Right? You're going to find out what, what the world's wisdom is on it. And then finally, when you realize there's nothing else you can do, then you pray. Oh, get your priorities right. Talk to God first. Now, I'm not telling you don't go get wisdom other places. But you go talk to God first. And he'll, guess what? He'll find the right click on that thing so you go right to the right spot. But you show him that you're going to humble yourself. I'm going to pray. I want to seek your will, Lord. And then I'm going to get rid of the sin in my life that keeps me from getting the answers that I'm so desperately in need of. And, and that's kind of the, basically the, the sermon that we have this morning. So your New Year's resolution should be, my, my goal is to humble myself before the Lord, have a prayer life. Now listen, a resolution only works when you resolve to do something. You have to make a plan. And you can say, well now how am I going to plan to be humble? Well, I think if you just take care of the prayer and seeking His face and humility will come along with that. But don't go to God arrogantly. Well, here I am doing what Larry said. What are you going to do? Huh? Remember, have a little reverence is all I'm saying, I guess, right? But you're like, hey, Lord, there, there's some areas in my life. Listen, what if this year, what if this year, I say, I don't know what 2020 has, and neither do you. God knows. He knows what's coming next. But what if this year, You and your wife have served the Lord here at Valley or at a church faithfully. And your teenage daughter comes to you and says, you know what? I decide I don't like your God. And I know you respect God and you and mom have done a great job. And I know that's all that, the Bible is everything to you. I get that. But I want to try out, I want to try out some homosexuality. I want to try out some other things. What are you going to do? What if your husband or wife comes to you and says, I'm done. I don't want to be married to you anymore. And you haven't even done anything wrong. I just want to go try some other things out. I want my wings. I want freedom. Well, freedom ain't free. Let me tell you that. But what if that happens this year? 
what if you're going along and your health is good and everything's good with you but your adolescent daughter suddenly has cancer That's, it sounds like doom and gloom but these are possibilities aren't they now we don't like to dwell on that but God sure did he brought it right up in the middle of a celebration pretty much so I just bring it up like why don't you start the resolution now resolve to change something in your life if you're not doing these things why don't you make a plan to start doing them see I can get up and tell you his resolution but if I'll tell you to, to make a plan to, to start to do something to resolve to do it then you'll be right here again in 2021 listening to a similar kind of sermon again resolution for you try this year to pray more than you talk about it I've been trying for years I haven't done it yet now I didn't make a resolution try seeking his face let me tell you how to you, know, you want to seek his face you can do that in prayer a little bit but I want to know his will oh magic this book seems to have an awful lot of his will in it and if you want to seek his face this is where he's the most apparent so get in that book get yourself a little bit of a prayer life going yeah humble yourself enough to pray humble yourself enough to realize that what's in that book is more important than anything on your television anything on the internet it's more important than anything in your life for what is coming And then, what's that little thing that you're doing that's keeping you from him hearing your prayers? Because if you've got sin in your life, he ain't answering your prayer. You may get an answer, but it's just because he decided to do that out of his grace. But you're not getting an answer to your prayer when you've got sin in your life. Your, your prayer life is hindered when you have sin in your life. What is wicked in your life right now? And, and don't think that your sin is not wicked. Oh, everybody does this one. Ain't no big deal. Everybody in the church does that. Really? Is it separating you from a relationship with God that he desperately wants? Because let me tell you, he's really jealous. And he's really big and he's really powerful. Yeah. And he wants a relationship with you. And he's going to get it. And you know, sometimes he gets the relationship with you when you are in the most pain. Now, I'm not threatening you. Good night, I'm not doing that. I'm just telling you, you got to get ready. You got to start doing this ahead of the game. All right? You don't know when uh, you go to the doctor. You don't know you might have a stroke this year. Bob, did you know the stroke was coming? No way. It just came. You got to get ready. You got to resolve to do a few things. And I prom what was my promise at the beginning? 2020 will be better if you do these things. It just will. I, I can say that with all the confidence in the world. You know why? Because I trust God. I trust God. And He will fulfill what He says He's going to fulfill. He'll hear the prayer, He'll forgive the sin. And then He said He would do what? 
healed the land. Now listen, we take that and we say, okay, if we do that, then America will be healed. Well, that, that could be, that's a possibility. I don't think that's really what the passage is talking about per se. Because I think he's talking about if, Matthew, if you do these things, the land you live in will be better. And it'll be better for it. Your home will be healed if you do these things. Dad, if you're at that house and you don't know what to do with that teenage son or daughter, you can't break through to them. They won't listen to me. Oh, God's saying the same thing to you. You're saying, he's saying to you, you aren't listening to me. If you'll come and humble yourself and pray and seek my will and turn from your wicked ways, I'll heal your land. I'll heal the land you live in. I'll heal the land of the churches across America. 41% of people in America pray less than 30 minutes a week in the church. 41% of churchgoers, evangelical people, only 41% pray, and they only pray an average of 30 minutes. The other 59% aren't even saying they're praying at all. That's in your church. And we're talking about healing America? Why don't you heal the church, Lord? He'll heal it if you do these things. It's a promise. And I know that this is not, he's talking to Israel, I get it, they're under a whole different covenant. It's a different dispensation. But it comes across the principles of going to God and being humble before him and praying and seeking him and turning from your wicked ways, that has never changed. And it never will. I look forward to the day where I don't have to worry about my wicked ways. Because I got them. I got them. I got to fight with them all the time. Thank God I got the Holy Spirit. We can win the battle. Oh, man. I said I'd be done early, but I could keep going. And then we got another song they're going to sing. So they're going to sing, I'll Say Yes. Come on up, Nick. Yeah, come on. They got to start playing music or I'll just keep talking. There's a message here, isn't there? Don't you think God's got a resolution for you this year? Oh, my goodness. My prayer for you is that you'll sing this song. And what you're saying yes to is, I'm going to make a plan to do these things. I'm going I'm to resolve to, to gain a prayer life that I've always wanted but never really put the effort out. And let me tell you, it won't be easy. Having a prayer life and seeking his face is not just, I want to do it, so it's just going to happen. No, it ain't. It's a lot of hard work, but it's very well worth it. Sing it. I'll say yes, Lord.